It's time now for the Pulpit Hour, featuring some of God's choice preachers. Stay tuned at the end of today's message for information on how you can obtain a copy of today's sermon. Let's stand, if you will, in Luke chapter number 23, and we'll begin reading in verses number 33, and we trust that the Lord will do something uh, in the meeting tonight. Luke chapter number 23 and verses number 33, and when they were come to the place which is called Calvary, there they crucified him. And the male factors, one on the right hand and the other on the left. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots, and the people stood beholding him. And the rulers also with them derided him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself, if he be Christ, the chosen of God. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar, and saying, If thou be the king of the Jews, save thyself. And a superscription also was written over him in letters of Greek, in Latin, and Hebrew. This is the king of the Jews. And one of the malefactors, which were hanged, railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost not thou fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And it was about the sixth hour, and there was a darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour. And the sun was darkened, and the veil of the temple was rent in the midst. And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And having said thus, he gave up the ghost. Now, I want you to turn to the book of 1 Peter 3. And I know you probably already know it. But let's look at it, the verse I want to give you. And then we'll pray together. 1 Peter chapter number 3 and verses number 18. 1 Peter 3 and verses 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Let's pray for you, O Father. I'm coming again to your throne now. And Lord Jesus, I'm thanking you for your great mercy. Lord, I pray right now that, God, you would forgive every sin that you see in my heart and mind. Lord, I mean everything you see in there that's not right. 
God, whether it's something I've said or done or some foolish act, Lord, or some neglect, I would pray forgiveness. And Holy Father, we come in Jesus' name to present ourselves to thee, dear God, as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable service. And Lord, I'm very much aware tonight that we cannot use ourselves But our Father, we come to bring ourselves to Thee, to lay ourselves down at Your feet, to make ourselves an available vessel for You. And we'd ask You, dear God, tonight, if there's any way that You can find it in Your divine will to help us to magnify Your Son, we'll we'll be honored and we'll be thankful and we'll give You all the glory for what You do. Lord, thank You for what You've done in this meeting. For the great challenges, God, that our hearts received. Thank you for every man of God we've heard. And Lord, for the touch of God that's been on every one of them. Thank you for the food for thought, dear God, you put in our hearts. And I pray now that, Lord, you'd give us a good few minutes together. Then I want you to send us away tonight, Lord, with our hearts centered on the Lord. We'll honor you for what you do in his name. Amen. Or thank you for standing. Now, I want to just begin tonight by just giving you the idea I want to deal with, then we'll do our best to get in it. I've been preaching a series, I'm done now with a series, but I've been preaching a series of messages at our church on blessings that flow from the cross. For most part, it's been doctrinal, but anyway, uh, this message came out of that series of messages, blessings that flow from the cross. Now, what I want to deal with tonight, if God will help me, I want to try to help our thoughts, try to get our thoughts going in this direction tonight. What was the motivation of the cross? Oh, Brother Wells, I know that. For God so loved the world that he gave. And you'd be right. But I'm concluding tonight. There might be something else we're to look at in the light of the motivation of the cross of Calvary. But Brother Wells, probably the Lord really just wanted to save us out of hell. Well, I want to say tonight that my feeling is this, and I believe I'm right. My feeling is that the cross of Calvary was not designed just to keep you out of hell. I do not believe for one moment that's why God nailed his son on the cross of Calvary. I think that is a byproduct of what God's doing, but there's something greater than that. Now then, with that in mind, let's just remember what we are tonight. Uh, I want to remind you what the Bible said, and if you want to turn or you can, I want to read from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter number 6 tonight, and this is what it said. It said, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. And there's no question there was a time in your life where no matter where you are tonight, you were unrighteous. I'm telling you, you were unrighteous, friend. And the Word of God said, Don't you know the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Uh, be not deceived. Neither fornicators, and some of us were that. Uh, nor idolaters, some of us were that. Adulterous, some of us were that. Nor effeminate, I hope none of us were that. But His grace is still sufficient. 
nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, some that's no doubt qualified, and uh, uh, nor covetous, and nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners, and uh, shall inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm very much aware of what verse number 11 says, but that's not my point for reading that. All I want to do is read that tonight to remind us somewhat of what we were. We have not always been good little boys and girls in church. We've not always been good people here that shout and praise God. I mean, we have been people neighbor with a life of sin. Though we may not have, you know, deep to, steep, as deep in sin as some others have, yet every single one of us have been sinners. Now listen to the book of Galatians chapter 5, and let me read a couple of verses here. The Bible says, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, uh, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, and strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, and which I tell you before, as I've told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, that's quite an ungodly list, isn't it? And yet, neighbor, for the most part, every one of us would qualify uh, for many of those things. But whether we found our particular sin in that list or not, the truth is every single one of us are sinners in a horrible degree. I mean, neighbor, the degree of our sin, neighbor, is absolutely atrocious. Now, with that in mind... I want to think a minute about the cross. Now, let's look with that background in mind. Let's think for just a minute now about the person that's dying on the cross. Now, I'll not tell you anything you don't already know. All I want to do tonight is try to excite your memory a little bit, neighbor, of who it is that's dying on the cross of Calvary. This is not just anybody. The Word of God said, and neighbor, and God, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So this much I know. I know the one that is dying on the old rugged cross, neighbor, is God manifest in the flesh. You say, well, how can you get greater than that? Well, I don't guess you could, but we'll just kind of uh, magnify a few qualities about him. Number one, let me just say, he is the Lord of creation. Now, I'm not going to give you a lesson on creation, but we know this. All things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. So we know that the creator is the one that's dying neighbor, on the cross of Calvary. Not only the creator, but he is the Lord of revelation as well. Listen to me tonight. Listen to me tonight. I've got scripture to prove this. You will never come to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior until God Almighty reveals himself to you. I believe that with all my heart. You're not going to just pop in, pop on, pop off. I tell you, God has to manifest himself to you. Now, if God has to manifest himself to you, then that must mean he's in charge of it. What about that? So he's the Lord of revelation. The God, neighbor, that wants to reveal himself to me is dying on an old rugged cross. He is shedding his blood there, neighbor, in our behalf. He's not the Lord of revelation, but he's the Lord of salvation. According to Romans chapter number 10, but he's the Lord of the harvest. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I believe in, I believe in soul winning. 
I believe in witnessing. I believe in knocking on doors. And we do all we can. But I'm telling you, sometimes uh, we do all this, and it almost is like we're in a dry desert land. No matter what you do, it seems like you just can't tap in neighbor of the harvest. And here's what I'm reminded of. I'm reminded the Bible said that Jesus Christ is the Lord of the harvest. There will be no harvest without the Son of God putting his power and presence in the Word. I believe that with all my heart. And you say, well, Brother Wills, I believe everybody everybody will have people say, so do I. But for some reason, there are times when God just does not seem like he wants to pour the harvest out on us. But I know who's in charge. And that's the one that's dying on the cross of Calvary. That's the one that's in charge of the harvest. So not that. But he's also the Lord of judgment. But he is our Savior. He's not just the Lord, but he is our Savior. I remember years ago, we had a man come to our church from India. And his name was Sumat. And some of y'all might have met him. But I had, uh, I had uh, uh, several meals of Sumat. And here's what he said. Uh, he had, we'd pray, and I'd say, Brother Sumat, you pray over the meal. And we'd pray over the meal, and Brother Sumat would sit there with tears streaming out of his eyes. And he'd, and he'd say, Father, you know that my people have all different gods. And, and he told me that there are times when he said there's an, they believe there's enough gods in the rivers in India for every citizen in India to have three gods apiece. Isn't that amazing? And yet he'd cry, and tears would stream out of his eyes. And he'd say, but, oh, Father, they only have one Savior. They only have one Savior. Neither is for salvation in any other. But there's none of the name under heaven given among men. Where bowies must be saved. And the only one that can save sinners is hanging on the cross, shedding his blood, and dying on the cross. Are y'all listening, Brother Wilson and I? I'm talking about one Savior. Not two Saviors. Just one Savior is dying on the cross of Calvary. He is the Messiah. He is the God-man. He is the I am neighbor of, of he, he is the I am the bread of life. He is the I am with the light of the world. He is neighbor of the door. He is the good shepherd. He is the son of God. We could go on and on and on and talk about that. But now let me just come to this place a moment. I don't have to, I'm sure that this crowd here is wise enough and studious enough to know who it is that's dying on Calvary. But let's take out a minute of our time and our thoughts tonight and let's remember, neighbor, the pain and the difficulty that is occurring at Calvary. Let's somehow bring our thoughts back in tonight. Let's remember what Christ is going through on the cross. Number one, let's look at it physically. And I'll not exhaust this, and, uh, but I will say this. Uh, no matter what Mel Gibson did, no matter, neighbor, what he did, no matter, no matter how he tried to display Calvary and what went on, Mel Gibson as a lost man, could never tap into what went on at Calvary. He has no idea of what went on. All he can see is blood. All he can see is blood and abuse, but he could never understand what took place on the cross of Calvary. But on that cross, number one, physically, there is a buffeting. Now this occurs even, even before and during. The Bible says, and they spit in his face. Come here now. I, I'm not going to try to labor on these physical things, but they spit in his face. Listen to me now. The Son of God, neighbor, the bread of life, 
the Lord of salvation, the Lord of revelation, the only Savior. Someone neighbor, is clearing their throat. Somebody is pulling up the junk from their bronco tubes. Somebody neighbor, is expectorating and laying the spittle on the face of the Son of God. Oh, what a reproach. Do you remember what the Bible said? Neighbor, about, about uh, Miriam's mom and dad, Jochebed, and, uh, and her husband. You remember that? God said, if they had a but spit in her face only one time, but they didn't. And you're spilling what I'm saying. Neighbor, that spittle in the face of the Son of God was a reproach beyond measure in that hour. Amen. But the Bible said, not only did they spit in his face, but they buffeted him, and others smote him with the palms of their hands. Now, neighbor, let's listen now. The word buffet means to wrap with a fist. So the Son of God, God, our Savior, as he's headed to Calvary, neighbor, whether it's at uh, it's Pilate's Hall, or before Cavus, or, or before Herod, or on the cross, someone is taking their fist. Someone has balled it up. Someone has aimed it at the precious Son of God. Somebody is pointing their fist, neighbor, at his dear face, and laying, neighbor, the, the full stroke in the face of the Son of God. Now, just sing with me a moment now. So now then, listen to me. Not only about the buffeting, but what about the scourging? Y'all know about that, but let me just remind us of it tonight. The Bible said, Then release the Barabbas unto them. And when he had scourged Jesus, he delivered him, neighbor, to be crucified. We all know this. But in the scourging, there is neither the lashes, what, what, have nine lashes on it maybe, some seven or nine. And at the end of, of those leather lashes, there was a piece of bone or a metal or something or another. And every lash that came down, neighbor was plowing furrows in the back of the Son of God. Every lash that came down, 39 of them, neighbor left the Son of God with no meat on his back. Listen to me now. One writer I read said that when Christ, neighbor, the scourging was done, and he's headed to Calvary, that his entrails are hanging from his side. Out of the side of the Son of God, the entrails are hanging out, neighbor, as he is traveling to Calvary. Our Savior, neighbor, was scourged unmercifully. Now, if that's not enough, neighbor, there is the crown of thorns. And uh, that sounds almost, that sounds almost, uh, neighbor, painless uh, when you consider he had been scourged. Listen to me now. All of you know something about the thorns of the, of the Palestine area, how long they were, and how that they wrapped them into a crown and placed them on the head of the Savior. Can I say this tonight? I find it very difficult to feel, to, to, to believe that a Roman soldier, whoever it was, that folded up that crown of thorns. I find it very difficult to believe that they could fold that up without it pricking their own skin. Uh, without it pricking neighbor their own body, without blood getting on the thorns, neighbor that they're going to place on the Son of God. And so on the head of the Son of God it goes. And neighbor, if that's not enough now, of course you know they mock him, but he has a reed in his hand. And the reed is simply a staff. They got a staff now in their hand. And in order to intensify the suffering, the staff is used now to drive the crown of thorns a little farther down in the head of the Son of God. 
Now, neighbor, this is, this is what he's going through. They smote him on the head. Now, if that's not enough now, with a body, no doubt, neighbor, there's weary now from the pain. Now, the cross is laid on him. And uh, what is that road? Is it called the Via Dolorosa? Is that what they call it? Where the Savior took the cross, neighbor, and with a bruised and bloody and mangled body, is as neighbor is carrying the cross, neighbor, from uh, the uh, from the whipping area to the hill of Calvary. Now they have intervened and they've got Simon Serene now, and now then he's going to help carry the cross on the hill of Calvary. The Savior now will be nailed. Listen to me now. I'm not trying to over-dramatize it, but on the hill of Calvary now, he's going to be nailed. Oh, I tell you, Jesus said, I, he said, no man taketh my life from me. He said, I lay it down on my own. We don't have a great deal of problem, I guess, gathering in the, uh, the physical suffering that Christ did. But what about the spiritual suffering? Come here now. I want you to listen to me. When the, when, the, when the choir was singing a while ago, I'm amazed, I'm amazed. And though not the sin forgiven, listen to me. On the cross of Calvary, this is my opinion. Now, I don't know why my throat's closing up, unless, of course, Satan just don't wants to hear it. But now, listen to me carefully. On the cross of Calvary, this is what, this is what I believe this means. As many as were stoned in thee, his vestige is so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. Now, what I believe is this. I do not believe that is physical. That's not, now, it may apply, but I don't believe it's physical. I believe, neighbor, that the vestige is the Son of God. In the eyes of God Almighty, at this point, he is becoming sin of the world. Are y'all listening to me tonight? Listen just a moment. Brother Jones, turn this up as high as you can. Amen. Turn it up. I tell you what do. Give me, give me that look. Give me that handle. You can cut this one off. Just give me the hand. Give me all the volume you can. All right, now listen to me. On the cross of Calvary, Jesus Christ is going to be taking the sin of the world. I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes just a minute. I want you to imagine with me for a second that you're out in space. I want you to imagine for me just a moment you're standing and you're looking in front of you and all you see in front of you is head and shoulders, head and shoulders, as far as your eye can see, head and shoulders. I want you to look to your right now. Take a look at it. As far as you can see, head and shoulders, head and shoulders, head and shoulders. I want you to look to your left now. Come on. Look at your left. And as you look to your left, there's head and shoulders, head and shoulders, as far as you can see. Turn and look to the back if you can now. That, and you've turned to look. There you are. Head and shoulders, head and shoulders, as far as you can see. Every head and every shoulder represents a human being. That's a sinner. Every head, every shoulder represents somebody that's a sinner. Somebody, neighbor, that has been full of sin and full of ungodliness. Oh, you listen to me. Listen to me. From Adam, that there are 6.5 billion people on planet Earth right now. 6.5 billion people on planet Earth. I wonder how many has already come and gone. I wonder how many has already come and has already died. 
I wonder after Christ comes for the church, how many is going to be born in the millennium? How many million, How many billions of people? How many billions of people have come and are here and will come? And neighbor, every single one of them are sinners. Every single one of them are sinners. Every single one of them, neighbor, have been lost at some point or another. Lost without God. Full of sin. Full of degradation. And yet, on that cross of Calvary, the Son of God is taking the sin of all that crowd on Him at that hour. Are y'all listening to Brother Wells at all? No. You can look up. I'm not saying Christ became a pervert. I'm not saying Christ became an adulterer. I'm not saying he became something like that. But I'll tell you what I am saying. I'm saying that every sin that every pervert ever committed, every sin of adultery, every sin of fornication, the Son of God paid for that, neighbor, that sin on the cross of Calvary. Amen. Oh, listen to me now. Now, here's my question. Why did he do it? Why did he do it? Why did Jesus do all of that? So could be saved. Look at your Bible. Go to First Peter three. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about my throat. Just I don't know. What, listen to me. Go to First Peter three. I want you to see it. What's the purpose? What's the motivational factor here of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, dying? Boy, he did. Oh, brother, it's because of love. Look at it. It's deeper than that. It's deeper than that. Look at your Bible. First Peter 3, 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. Here's your reason. Here's your reason. Here's the reason that he might bring us to God. God is not interested in you staying in hell alone. God is interested in you. God is interested in you coming where God is. That's what God is concerned about. Oh, my soul. God's hand is reaching out to humanity to bring man to God, not just to heaven. Oh, no. It's not heaven God's trying to bring you to. It's a God himself. God is wanting you to come to him. That's what it's all about. God, the motivation of Calvary was to bring you to God. Oh, my soul. Oh, my soul. Listen to me. Look at, look at your Bible. I want to give you a little definition see what will happen here. The Word of God said in, in verse Peter 3, the operation of all that is to bring. Look now. The word bring means to lead towards. Now, I'll probably say this wrong. Did Jack on, say your name again? Come on. Did Jack come on? Did you hear his testimony today? Did you hear it? He said, I was over here, and I needed to be over here. I was over here, and I needed to be here. Do y'all not understand what God's saying? God is saying, I did it all to bring you to me. Whatever it takes, I've done it to bring you to me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 
brother, I don't understand all the details that God had in mind with you. But I'm telling you, every single one of us got a story. Every one of us has got a story. Our life was lost in the dark. God used what he did at Calvary and worked our circumstances out. I tell you, I don't care what you say. God worked them out to bring you to God. Oh, my soul. The Lord God had you in mind. Oh, you see, he just, he wanted me to go to heaven. Hell no, he wanted you to be with him. He wanted you to be with him. That's what it said. That he might bring us to God. And that means God gets involved in your life. And even though you're a sinner, even though you're lost without God, God gets involved in your life. God starts directing you. God starts leading you. God starts moving in your affairs to bring you to God. What a God, what a God, what a God. It means, it means to conduct near. means to summons. Do you remember when you got in conviction? Do you remember when you started getting troubled about your soul? Do you not understand why that was? Yeah, it's conviction. What's more than that? God was sending you a summons. God was summoning your soul. God was sending out a summons and saying, I want you in my court. Yes, sir. I want you in my court. I gotta convince you that you're lost. I gotta convince you you're going to hell. I'm summoning you. I'm pulling you in. I'm summoning you to come in here. Amen. I remember that. I remember them nights. I remember them nights I laid down, Brother Jimmy. I'd weep and cry my eyes out. Oh, yeah. I was going to hell and I knew it. And I knew if I died like that, Lord God, I'd be an eternal mess. And brother, brother, I'd I'd lay there and cry all night. And I did not understand what God was doing. I did not understand why I felt that way. But I know now. I know now. I know the God of heaven has sent me a summons. Amen. God was making my life unhappy. God was producing misery in my heart so I would get neither dissatisfied with where I was so he could pull me to him. Is anybody listening? He did it to bring you to God. To bring you who may have been an adulterer who may have been a fornicator, who may have been a liar, who may have been a stealer, who may have been all kinds of sins, but God wanted you to be near him. Isn't that mind-boggling, Dr. Reigns? I mean, isn't that mind-boggling that a God of the character that God is wants somebody like me to be with him? That's mind-boggling. That God would want somebody as dirty as I am, and as filthy as I am, as lost as I was, and as mean as I was. Why God would want me to be near him, oh, my soul. I don't know. That's what the Bible said. He summons me. He summonsed me. He drew me. Now, some of y'all won't have this, but I'm telling you, God's drawing stronger than you want to agree with. Read John, read John 12, 32. Read John 6, 44. And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. 
what it said. And Jesus said, no man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him and I'll raise him up. I just challenge you, take your little Strong's Dictionary tonight and you go home and look up the word draw as in John, in John 12, 32 and John 6, 44. Come here, son. Resist me. Not too much. This is called drawing. Isn't that what you did? Isn't that what you did? He was calling you. He was summoning you. He wanted you to get in, and you resisted. You didn't follow through. You you wasn't ready for him. You you stayed out as long as you could. But aren't you glad? Thank God Almighty. God didn't labor. Listen, you're grunting, groaning. God heard neighbor the cry. God wants you to be saved by the Christ of God. I'm telling you, God draws sinners by a power of God. That's how He does it. God draws them. Hallelujah. 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 God draws them. He draws by the proclaiming, the preaching, and what on and on we could go. I'm done. Listen to me. The unending God. The unending God whose life will never end. He said, Behold, I lift my hand to heaven. I live forever. The unending God said, I want you to come be with me. The unending God said, I want you to come be with me unendingly. That's why I call it eternal life. The uncontainable God. The heavens of heavens cannot contain him. 200 million universes we read that he, neighbor, that he made with billions of stars in every one of them. Oh, my soul alive. 200 million universes and God made them all. And God put billions of stars in every one of them. And it's like God said, you are the one I want. You are the one I want. You're the one I want. Forget the, forget the universes. Forget the billions of stars. You're the one I want. You're the one I'm concerned about. You're the one I want in my family. Hallelujah, God. Glory to the God. Oh, bless his holy name. Thank God Almighty. Hallelujah. For the God that wanted me. For the God that wanted me. Hallelujah, God. Oh, bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. Thank God, thank God. The uncontainable God said, I want you. The undiscernible God, whose wisdom we can never find out, wanted me. The unrespecting God, the undefiled God, the undefiled God said, I want you. You're messed up. You're messed up. But I want you. Hallelujah. I want you. You're messed up. You're defiled. But now before you come in, I think I'm going to wash you. 
I think I'm going to wash you right before I bring you in. Amen. Glory to God. Does, does anybody remember the night he washed you? Oh! Does anybody remember the day when he came by where you were? Amen to God. God found you. God washed you. God said, I want you. I'm going to bring you to me. I want to bring you to me. What's the purpose? What's the purpose? You are. And it's not just that God wants to save you. I'm sorry. And it ain't just that God wants to keep you out of hell. It said God wanted you with him. In that Garden of Eden, when Adam sinned against God, it was the fellowship between Adam and Eve that God had to cut off. And on that cross by Chad, he said, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God. Aren't you thankful? He might bring you in. Now listen, brethren, I'm going to tell you something, and I'm done. You ought to get a hold of this tonight. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to t- my opinion, my opinion, my opinion. We're the crowd that's kept the standards right. We're the crowd that's kept God's right. Come here, come here. We're the crowd that stood against all the wickedness and sins, public sins. Amen. Now, we're the crowd, neighbor, that's... Uh, They'd gathered up signatures. We're the crowd that stood. But I'm going to tell you where we missed it. I'm going to tell you where we missed it. We've missed it by concentrating on the things we know that are wrong and somehow not getting people to Calvary. That's right. I'm telling you, we need to stand against everything. It looks ugly. But I'm telling you, if you leave Calvary, you messed up. You missed it. Oh, I'm telling you, can I, I give you this point right here? My opinion. There is a unification in the cross of Calvary. Did he not say he's made both in one body by the cross? Did he not say that? I know what he's talking about. I know he's talking about Jew and Gentile. He's made both in one body by the cross. I understand that. But South, tell you what I believe. I believe the cross is to bring it all in unification. Let me illustrate what I mean. At the Tower of Babel, the tongues were messed up. God divided them. Because of sin. On the day of Pentecost, God made all the nations there hear the wonderful works of God. God was taking the cross and unifying, giving us a picture of the unification of the cross of Calvary. Let me give you another kind of jog your mind. Is there a tree of life in, in heaven? Yes. 
Is there a tree of life in Jerusalem? Come. The Bible said it bears 12 men of fruit and changes fruit every month. You got any trees that bear oranges and apples and pears? You guide trees and bears 12 men of fruit. No. No. God must be using the cross to unify everything under one head. The cross of Calvary. Don't get out from under its shadow. Don't get out from under its shadow. Stay near it. Stay near it. Keep close to it. Embrace it often. Amen. Brethren, we have met to worship and adore the Lord our God. That concludes our Pulpit Hour message for today. If you would like to order a copy of today's message, you can call our studios at 828-884-9427 or write to us at WGCR. 3232 Hendersonville Highway, Pisgah Forest, North Carolina, 28768. You can also hear today's message on our website at WGCR.net. The Pulpit Hour is brought to you by Anchor Broadcasting.